0: morning. Isn't it good to be with God's people today? Let's you begin, know, I just want to ask a question. Have you ever started something and never finished it? Yes. <laughs> Putting up Christmas lights, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, for many of us, starting something is easy for the most part, um, but finishing the course is the hard part regardless what it may be a hobby exercise anything uh, That just finishing the task can become an issue with many of us I want you to think about running a marathon with me this morning. Now. I don't consider myself a runner Um, Well, I run I I might trot from time to time uh, And I run on the elliptical at the gym, but I don't I don't consider myself a runner at all Um, I have friends who are runners and they've explained some of the details about running long distances. Uh, Maybe you've heard of the marathon, and I could never see myself running a marathon, but maybe a half marathon, so maybe you've heard of the half marathon. The half marathon is 13.1 miles. If you want to compete in a half marathon and reach your desired goal time, you have to train for it, uh, and then stick to the plan when race day comes. And here's the deal, that temptations are found every step of the way. Um, You begin training, and then the temptations come. Uh, There may be a day where you don't feel like running. Uh, You know, I'm going to skip this day. I'm going to catch up tomorrow. There's all these temptations that interrupt your schedule of training. But if you're going to make your goal time, you have to start well. And that means a good, solid, consistent training um, plan. Uh, That you're running, you're running daily, you have a schedule and you keep it and there's a way you're going to run and you have to run that exact way when the race day comes. And then race day comes. And there's excitement, there's cheers, there's thousands of people waiting and they're at the starting line, uh, anxiety's pumping and then the buzzer or the bell rings. And everyone takes off. And then the immediate temptation is to begin to follow someone else. The temptation is to follow the mob and the crowd and keep up their pace. And the problem is, you cannot keep their pace. You have to keep the pace in which you were training with. If not, it's not that you can just slow down. You have already spent your energy because you trained a certain way and now you're trying to do it like everyone else. You must keep the pace that you trained with. You have to start well, you have to stay the course, you have to build a momentum and actually have a good rhythm to end well in the race. And it's very similar to our faith in Christ. It's why Paul would use a race to illustrate this. We are running a race of faith. Now on one end, we want to win the race, we want to win the prize, amen? I want the prize, I I want to win. Uh, But the truth is, is that many people fall out along the way, that many drift. That many quit that many actually do in fact fall away they give up part of the way through and on the other end we need to develop spiritual skills to keep this from happening so not only do you want this good start as a Christian you want to train well in fact we are learning and we are training in righteousness we are learning to continue in the faith to have a rhythm To have a momentum as a Christ follower. And and this is the truth here. It's when I stop running. It's when I stop my pattern that makes it easier to quit. It makes it harder to start each time again. When I break my momentum, when I break my spiritual habits. A huge part of Christianity is remaining faithful and continuing to the end. This is not just, I want to believe in Jesus Christ and we will see where this goes. It's that I see Jesus. He has saved me from my sins. I am following him and I want to continue to follow him. I don't want to be the person that falls out in the last quarter. I don't want to be the person that stumbles along the way. I don't want to be the person that quits because I didn't understand what this was about. I want to continue in the faith. I want to win the race. Amen, church. This is who we are. Now, a huge part of Christianity is remaining faithful, continuing to the end. And Jesus Christ actually said this, Matthew 10, 22. I don't have it up here. Um, you can make note of it. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. It's not just, I said a prayer in Sunday school, or I came down to the altar and cried on the Sunday. It is the one who remains to the end that will be saved. Now, in faith, it's that I believe in Jesus Christ and I am saved, but that's banking on the fact that you are going to continue to follow Jesus, that you're going to remain faithful to the end. And the writer to the Hebrews is dealing with this, and if you would turn with me, we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 12 through 14. This is what the writer to the Hebrews is talking about. Now, here it is. Um, raise your hand if you saw the youth room this morning. It is awesome. Let's give them a great hand in what they've done. If you haven't seen it yet, they have a cafe in there called Hebrews. It's symbolic, it's perfect, and that is the book we're going to be in today. He. Bruise, you get it. (laughs) Awesome, okay. Verses 12 through 14. Here it is. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. If indeed we hold our original confidence Firm to the end. Let's pray together today. Father in heaven, we thank you um, for this sacred moment. We thank you that we get to gather as Christ's followers have been doing for thousands of years. And Lord, we thank you that you have promised to be with us. Um, that is the whole message of the book of Matthew. He, his name is Emmanuel. God with us. And we are to go and make disciples and you will be with us. We thank you that you are with us today. And I pray that you speak into our hearts and our minds today, Lord, that we um, our hearts are not hardened. That we are sensitive to your truth. That we hear the message from heaven. That we hear the good news and we recognize that there's sin in our lives that needs to be repented from and put away. And Lord, that you give us a holy heart. Lord, that we are a people of love, but that we recognize you are a holy God, first and foremost, and that we serve you, and let us be the disciples you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray that we remain faithful, that we continue in the faith, and that you give us this spiritual momentum. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, church, in our text today, there's uh, several things going on. There's a lot packed into these few verses. You could break it down into the three verses, these three parts here. First, the writer is basically saying to keep your heart in check. Uh, you don't want something slipping in and allowing unbelief to cause you to fall away. And sometimes it is just the simplest thing. Um, things that uh, people say are something you read, and it's phenomenal. It's fascinating to think about that a meme or a post will go around, and somebody will adopt that as their theology. Be careful. Be <laughs> careful. Guard your heart. Second, exhort one another, as long as it is today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And we're going to talk about that. That's about encouraging one another in the church. And third, we have come to share in Christ. We have a relationship with God. If indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is about this entire text. In fact, the entire book of Hebrews is a reminder that we are a people of faith But we don't fall away. We are not those who drift. We are to remain firm in the faith. We continue in the faith to the end. And I don't want to see anyone. You know, I've seen it a lot. And and I don't want to see anyone that we've ministered to, that we've spent time with, to drift away. I don't want to see anyone draw back. I don't want to see anyone fall away. As a pastor, I see it all the time. It is the nature of people to want things their way rather than God's way um that to have a hardened heart toward the things of God to right to the point where God is drawing you in closer to him and things are about to get better that people just decide you know what I'm done and there's these these tactics of Satan and one of them I've been talking about is just indifference and I didn't even really know what indifference meant for years I heard the Pope said that we would we should fast from indifference and I was thinking, what is he even talking about? You know, and, and, and now I understand what it means, indifference. It just means not caring. We should care about what we believe as Christians. We should care about the things of God. We should care about one another. We should care about what's going on in the culture. Uh, we should care when people get uh, taken away by lies and the deceitful schemes of Satan and man. Uh, But here it is. I don't want to see anybody give up along the way. And to be honest, some of you, maybe somebody watching, someone listening, have drifted. And I'm a patterns person. And I can look at patterns, and I know patterns. And I've seen people start off in the race, like we've said at the beginning. You can start the course well. You're running well. You're getting connected to the church. You're excited about the things of God. And then you begin to miss one Sunday. And that Sunday becomes two Sundays, and then two Sundays become three Sundays, and I guarantee you, something has crept up in your heart. And maybe someone is slipping around on the weekend and getting drunk, maybe that's what it is. Or maybe something else, uh, lost or whatever it may be, has crept into your heart, it will lead you away, you will fall away if you don't be, if you're not after your heart. So how do I do that how do I remain faithful to the end and first you have to do this Uh, and so here I want you to see it that we have to guard our heart. You have to guard your heart Uh, above all things guard your heart it is easily carried away verse 12 again take care brothers lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now I thought they're believers. Now, if they're believers, how can they have an unbelieving heart? Well, they're following God, and what happens is something creeps in along the way. Church, we have to guard our heart. And you should know your heart well enough that if something evil or an unbelieving thing creeps in, that you have to confront it yourself. You should know yourself well enough that you know your own heart, you know your own patterns, you know what is right, that you see something happening that's not right, that you go, this is not right in my heart. This is not right in my lifestyle. Something is not right, and take it to God, fall on your knees, and confess whatever it may be. It will lead you to fall away from, he says, the living God. I love that, because all the other gods are dead. We serve a living God. Regardless of your personal beliefs concerning falling away, suffice it to say, the Bible speaks to it, and it happens. I can verify it. I've watched it. People who have believed, who have confessed Christ, who have been a part of the church, who drift away, who begin to uh, lose their footing along the way, and before long, they are gone. There's been many people that showed up in this church, and somebody will say, Well, that's so-and-so. They used to come here years and years ago, and they show up from time to time, but they do not reconnect to the church. That is so-and-so. We used to minister to them when they were in children's group. We used to minister to them when they were in the youth group. Where are they now? They're living away from God. They have drifted. They have fallen away. And at the end of the day, it is not the pastor. It is not the music or the programming that causes people to fall away. And this is is what the issue is. It is unconfessed sin that has created an unconfessed, A hardened heart within you. I believe most Christians today would be confident and steadfast, faithful leaders in the church if they would just confess the hidden things in their lives. It's that on one part I want Jesus, but I have these hidden issues in my heart and I just hold on to them and I keep them in my heart. But if you don't bring them to Jesus Christ, they will destroy your faith and your walk with Jesus Christ. Sin in your life will keep you from being steadfast. Now, uh, many people have Jesus and the church and theology, whatever it may be, at an arm's length away because they do not want to deal with the sin issue. I, I, I like the church. I love Jesus Christ. And I know that there's this urge to do more, to be more committed, to be passionate about. But I have this thing in my life and I'm not willing to bring it into the light. Because sin gets in and it makes your heart hardened toward the things of God. And Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3. I want to show that to you. Before we do, I want to say that every time I'm in a a debate or discussion with somebody about the love of God, about a lifestyle that's lived away from God, they always like to cite John 3.16. And if anyone ever brings up John 3.16, let's just say, let's read the rest of the chapter. Let's read the rest of what Jesus has to say for us, and I want you to hear what Jesus has to say here in a few verses later after 316. This is the verdict. This is what heaven has decided in the controversy of man. Light has come into the world. Uh, The great light has come. This is the message of the gospel, but people loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Why am I not on fire for Jesus Christ? Why am I not passionate about the things of God? Why is my attendance and my giving and my lifestyle toward God drifting and falling away? Because I have sin in my heart and I'm afraid to bring it out because then light will expose it and I have to be honest with myself. That it's not everything else that I'm saying. It is. It is sin in my life, and I need to repent and bring it to Jesus Christ to the light. But who, uh, whoever lives by the truth, comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Years ago, a pastor had started a Bible study in downtown Los Angeles on a Thursday night. And a broker in the area watched as these crowds were coming in on a Thursday night, holding these little books in their hands. And he watched for several weeks. What could draw this crowd? So he goes in and follows, um, and follows the people in and realizes they're just teaching the Bible. And he goes to the pastor afterwards and he says, Are you drawing this large crowd by just teaching out of the Bible? He says, I suppose so. That's why they come. Come. And the man begins to sit in in the lesson and and listen to the word of God. And before long, he wants to be a part of the church. And then he decides to uh, talk to the pastor and he wants to meet with the pastor. He says, you know what? I kind of believe in Jesus, but I have some issues with things like Jonah. How could a man live for three days and three nights in the belly of a well? And the pastor said, who told you he lived three days and three nights in the belly of the well? He said, that represents Jesus Christ. Jesus died and was three nights and three days in the belly of the earth, that is. Jonah died, by the way, if you didn't know. It represents the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jonah wasn't hanging out, you know, in the belly. What's going on in here? He cried out to God. He he died. God raised him up and spit him out on the shore. We've taught it wrong. It's a resurrection story. But the pastor leaned in at the man and said, I don't really think that's the problem. He said, something else is going on that has caused this heart of unbelief. He said, I think there's sin in your life. And at that time, the man broke down and started crying. Sat down on the couch. He said, you know what? I've been having an affair. I've been paying for rent for my secretary to have a place where we could go and spend time together. The man confessed his sin, and then he decided he was going to stop that. And he went and told the woman they were going to stop. He repented, and he got saved. He had an unbelieving heart toward the things of God because sin was wrapped up in his life. Um, The issue is always the heart. The next thing I want you to see, church, is that we have to exhort one another. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Again, sin is an issue. Now, exhort here is the Greek word parakaleo. and then a cool word? <laughs> parakaleo, to, to come alongside, um, to call someone to the side, to summon them, to address or speak to them, to call out, uh, to encourage at the end of the day. Um, my translation would be keep after people. This is a message to the church. It's a calling to the church to look out for one another, to exhort one another, to to encourage one another in the faith. When you see people drifting to say, hey, man, I, I see what's going on in your life. I haven't seen you in a while. Where are you? Or when you actually see sin in someone's life. Let me read this again. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You're looking out for one another. You're recognizing if someone is drifting and if sin is in their life, this is what we have been afraid to do today. To call out sin for what it is. You should be willing to say, look, something's not right in your life. We've gotten into this Christianity that talks about, Jay sent me a message. um, Where it talks about, how often does it really talk about the love of God in in the scriptures? We know God is loving. Did you know it talks about his holiness much more than his love? He is holy. He loves you, but his holiness moves against sin in your life. You can't hang out with God and be actively living in sin. There's going to be a problem. And when sin gets in your heart, people begin to drift. And that's where the ministry of the church comes in, that we encourage one another. Man, I see what's going on in your life. You need Jesus, you need to repent, you need to be a part of the church again. You need to tell people, you need to tell family members in your life. I've shared this time and time again. My older brother used to call me and say, Derek, you are going to hell. (laughs) We don't even believe in hell anymore. And I was like, whoa, that's kind of rough. Where's grace in that, you know? But I had a brother that was willing to call me to say something is not right. You must be willing to call people. Yes, I love you. Man, I care about you, but something is not right as we encourage one another as the day draws near. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. I don't have it up here, but this came to me this morning because we usually use this when we're talking about people being in the regular habit of worshiping Jesus. Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, that we're stirring it up. Look how we've been serving together as a church. I watched the youth group, how they came together, or the leaders of the youth group, and, the, and did work in the youth room this weekend. I watched how the church came together to raise money for the youth group. I've watched how the church is coming together to have a meal on Wednesday night. We're seeing all these things happen. We're encouraging one another. We're stirring up one another to love and good works. Why do we need to do that? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Liz shared this last week. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Judgment is coming. We celebrate Advent. I love that. And we think about the little baby Jesus in the manger. And that's great. But church, he's not in the manger anymore. He grew up. He was crucified. He went into the the ground. He was buried. He rose again. He's ascended. He's sitting at the right hand of God the Father. He is waiting to come again. The day of the Lord is coming. And we're to stir up one another. This is the reality, that there is a day of judgment coming. And we need to be prepared as God's people, getting sin out of our lives, preparing our hearts, serving in the church, winning people to Jesus, doing what Jesus Christ has called us to do. Church, speak to your family members. Speak to your friends. Stir up one another. Start praying for someone you haven't seen in a while that you haven't seen in years. And when you dig in in prayer, there's a little slip we put together uh, three years ago. We came and we prayed, and and I was telling everybody, start praying for those names, whatever they may be, every day. I still have my slip. And as much as I'd like to say I prayed every single day, you know, I dropped the ball some some of the way. But there's people on my list that I have prayed for that I've seen return to the church, praise God. Because God works through prayer. Speak to one another about what you believe. Don't back up on the things of God. Uh, Tell people, this is the truth and this is what I believe. This is what the church is about. The world is doing it their way. They're trying to twist what we believe. They tried to shame us and say we're intolerant and unloving. We have the true message of love. We have the message that saves people from their sins. That is a gift of eternal life. What the world is offering doesn't even come close. It's a little pleasure for a little while. And then destruction comes. We offer the way out. The way to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. To be in relationship with God continually. To be saved from our sins. To be made holy. To be given eternal life. And there's a hope. And we don't have to be ashamed when the day happens. When the judgment comes. That we can stand and know that I have trusted in Jesus Christ. Where we are not ashamed of the the judgment. That was a little section of my notes. It kind of got a little long here. (laughs) Keep after people. The last thing I want to share with you, church, is to continue in the faith. We're called to continue, for we have come to share in relationship with Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. This is the reminder that we are in Christ and He is in us, and actually we possess Him. He is ours. We have relationship with God. Not only am I his, that he bought me with a price, he is now mine. The Savior is mine. I'm in relationship with God. And here it is, there's a a condition. There's a hypothetical. Yes, for we have come to share in Christ if, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That we have to stay true from the beginning to the end. That I can't just say I believed at a young age. It's that I still believe now. I want to believe tomorrow. I'm continuing the race. I'm still pursuing Jesus. We're holding on to the original confidence here. It's a Greek word, hypostasis. It means that there was a foundation. Uh, there's a beginning, a substance, a quality, in person and thing. Meaning that I hold a confidence in the foundation of Jesus Christ and who he is. My relationship My whole faith is built on the foundation of Jesus. I'm growing out of that. I haven't built my relationship on the sinking sand and the things of the world. On the solid foundation of Jesus is how we build this. It's about holding on firmly to the person of Jesus Christ and church and his teachings. It's not I believe in Jesus and and do opposite of who Jesus is and teach opposite of what Jesus has taught. It is him and his teachings. Now, here's the question. How can I continue in the faith? How can I truly remain faithful to the end? And the best thing I can do is just teach you what will help you continue. It's about developing a lifestyle that's not easily corrupted. That's not easily deceived. Not easily stopped. Um, And when you face, it doesn't mean you're not going to face struggles. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be struggles along the way but the greater weight of continuation, the greater the chance of holding fast or firm to the end will be. That there's a spiritual momentum. If I'm running and I have a good pace going, I can continue and sometimes when I'm running or exercising, I feel depleted. Where did my energy go? You ever been at the gym and all of a sudden it's like, where did the energy go? But I've built a momentum and now I'm just, I'm just throwing my legs out in front of myself. It makes it harder to quit. I have a weight that is moving forward in my own faith, church. I have a weight of history in my faith that began when I was 11 years old, that I believed and was baptized and I began to pursue Jesus Christ. And I don't want to give up the history and this momentum that's moving forward. It's like a train. Trains are not easily stopped. And we have to build this momentum, the spiritual momentum that it doesn't stop so easily. And I have a list here. Let's look at these. How do we build a spiritual momentum? The first thing I want you to see is that you need to protect your relationship with Jesus Christ. Remain in him. Live your life in Christ. Trust him with the decisions of life that you have. He is trustworthy. Um, learn, Learn just to live daily pursuing Jesus that I have a relationship with him. And I was reflecting on this this week. Um, At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus is saying to build your faith, build your life on the firm foundation, not on the sinking sand. Those who obey, who learn my teachings, are like those who built on the firm foundation, on the solid rock. Those who don't do these things are like those who built faith on sinking sand. But then he goes on toward the end, and he's talking about not everyone who says, Lord, 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 enter into the kingdom of God but those who do the will of my father and I'm a big believer in in works I'm a big believer in being doers of the word that we are to do this we're going to talk about that but if the relationship isn't there there's a problem we should have a relationship with God so much so that we are talking to him on a regular basis when you get up in the morning it's God good morning and this is what I have and I'm giving it to you It's not just praying before a meal, even though it's a good starting place. I pray before a meal. We are thankful, but it is prayer throughout the day that you actually set aside a time that is devoted to the Savior, that is devoted to God. You're developing this relationship. So when we come to face him, it's not I never knew you. It's that that's my beloved son. That's my daughter. I've been looking forward to having you in my home. Develop your relationship with Jesus. Protect it. Don't let it... People take it away so easily. Don't let people invite you away from the things of God. Be on guard. Watch your patterns. Second, hold on to the word of God. Paul tells Timothy, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it. Here it is. We've learned the scriptures. We're being taught the things of God. Maybe you've grown up in church and and Sunday school and classes. We are being taught these holy things. And you may uh, have coworkers. It may be how you read things on social media. It may be going to college. And college may tell you something completely opposite. What have they been teaching in the schools for years in biology? That you evolved from another species, by the way. That is not a biblical worldview. If you believe that we have evolved from apes, you don't have a biblical worldview. If you believe that a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man, you do not have a biblical worldview. And you need to get back into the word of God and and not be so easily carried away by the lives of the world. Our culture has taught that killing a life is a right for a woman. Forsaking the right of the baby to live. We believe these are Christian worldviews. Now, somebody will say, I'm a Christian and I don't believe that way. You can say that, but you may not be a Christian and you do not have a biblical worldview and we need to develop this, hold on to the word of God. Allie was taking classes as she was my oldest daughter who was pursuing um, when she was going into dentist, being a dentist assistant, had to go through all this medical stuff and she's reading a book and when you're going to school, they make you take a bunch of classes you don't really need so they can charge you more money so they can say you're educated in the agenda of the world. So she has a book, she says, Dad, I don't understand what's going on here. And I started reading this chapter. And it's a book that tried to use, that denied the scriptures and just called them antiquated, they're not true, they're from history, they're written by man, all the typical things. And in the same chapter, it tried to make a defense for defending homosexuality with the scriptures. So on one end, they said, we don't believe in the scriptures. On the other end, we're going to use them to try to defend homosexuality. So it's just these competing ideas that confuse people. But you should be able to read that and say something is not right here we need to be back into the truth of God's word the third thing I want you to see here church is to continue with the church um, fellowship matters there may be you may get discouraged during the week you get down you're upset you're depressed anxiety all these things some of you may have anxiety preparing to go to church I used to, there used to be a time in my life where I did not want to go to see my grandparents. Um, I thought I was too cool and when they were having Thanksgiving. I was like, "Mom, I don't want to go this year. I always had this, this thing where I didn't want to go. And they say you better get your butt in there. So we had to go. Um, and so we went. And every time I went, I was so glad that I went. I was around my family and I loved them. But there was something that crept up in my heart that just kind of tried to distance me from my family. The same thing happens with church. There's things that creep up in our heart that tries to distance us from the family of God. And when we come, we feel better with each other. I'm encouraged around the people of God. We celebrate what God has been doing throughout the week. We celebrate how God is transforming lives. Continue with the church. Stay in fellowship. Stay in the gathering. It is a historical thing that we have done for thousands of years. Number four, grow in grace and in knowledge of God. Um, Develop your life as a Christian. Now, some are going to escape, the Bible says, by the skin of their teeth. One deep theologian said this. Some are going to arrive in heaven as thumb-sucking babies. That's deep theology. And what he means is that some are going to arrive who never really grew. They believed, but they never really developed their faith. They're going to be babes in Christ. As Christians, we are called to grow in our faith, to learn who God is, to learn how to live for him to grow and develop as disciples. Number five, be a doer in Christianity. Be fruitful. Add to your faith the things that we are to do. Add goodness and kindness and love and holiness and all these things that people may see that you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ. As we prepare to close, we're going to ask Jay to come and we're going to spend some time in prayer. But this is the main thing, is that we are building a momentum My faith is not going to be easily interrupted. What I believe about Jesus Christ is not easily intercepted by Satan. He can try to discourage me. He can try to plant lies in my heart. He can put people in my life that try to disrupt my path. There's even been family members along the way that have caused issues. But I have a momentum. I want to continue in the faith. I'm going in the direction of God. It is like a train. It is moving. It is moving. It's not easily intercepted. If somebody wants to get on board, they've got to run to catch up. We got to go, we're going this way. I'm not changing what I believe. I'm not going backwards. We're pursuing Jesus Christ. So again, how do I continue in the faith? I'm getting sin out of my life. I'm not allowing an unbelieving heart to get into my life. I'm not allowing my heart to harden. Um, as I'm encouraging others, and others are encouraging me, and I build a spiritual momentum engaging in the spiritual things Christ gave us. And, church, in a world of shifting sands, um, political unrest, economic instability, and an increased pace of change and evil increased in the world, the church, um, the world is looking for stability. The world needs truth. The world needs what is real. The world needs real love. Not affirmation. They need transformation. The world needs Jesus. And again, I want to leave you with this. Jesus says this. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. If you're enduring to the end and you have this consistent lifestyle, that's what stands out. People notice that. Those are the people who will call you for prayer when you're living for Jesus. There's been people that have been upset for me because I've call, been upset with me because I've called out sin in their life, but they've called me later for prayer because they know the consistency. And if they see that in your life, they know it's real. They want it. So church, we're going to open the altars today. Whatever it may be that you need to pray about, come in and pray and say, Lord, help me to remain faithful. There may be something that's crept in that's keeping you from continuing in the faith and ask the Lord, I was praying at my desk. Cleanse my heart. Lord. Give me a new heart. Save me, cleanse me, do these things.